0: Welcome to Happy Trails, the podcast for trail riders, episode 10, Alaskan Adventures. Hi, I'm your host, Jess. I've been traveling the U.S. full-time with my horses for two years. We've been trail riding and camping all over from coast to coast, My favorite thing about traveling, besides discovering new and exciting trails, is meeting fun and interesting people along the way. My guests today are Frank and Claudia Siller. They're originally from Germany, but now reside in Alaska. We met at the Tombstone Livery Stable in Arizona in March of 2019. At that time, Frank and Claudia were in the middle of a long trip to the Southwest, escaping the dark and cold winter in Alaska. I really enjoyed getting to know them and their horses. Last January, I gave them a call because I wanted to hear what it's like riding in Alaska. Hi, guys. It is so nice to speak with you today. How are you? Hi, we're doing
1: very fine, and it's nice to hear from you again, too.
2: Hello, Jessica. It's really good to hear from you. Um, we're far away and still feel quite close because uh, having been down there one winter was uh, really connecting us more with people that do that um, more often and longer down there, um, traveling through the lower 48.
0: Yeah, it was so nice meeting you guys when we were down in Arizona last winter. I've loved staying connected with you through Facebook and I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. Where exactly do you live in Alaska? We live
2: in Wasilla, which is um, about 50 miles from Anchorage, and the region where we live in is called the Matanuska Valley. It's pretty coastal weather here, it's warmer than a lot of other parts of Alaska. And um, we have right now actually um, around freezing temperatures, um, not much snow yet at all. It's um, eight o'clock in the morning and it's still very, very dark until nine o'clock before the sun gives us a little bit daylight.
1: Yeah, our days in the winter time they are very short. We have to just time it right. So we feed the horses in the dark and then we basically give them a second feeding when we trailer them to the trail heads because we have. Around our place, no snow, but everything is icy and you cannot really ride, so we actually have to look for good snowy tracks that we can ride on snow to have a better traction for the horses.
0: Are these established trail systems with uh, a trailhead parking area like we're accustomed to down in the lower 48?
1: Yeah, some of them, they have trail parking area where you pay your, your parking fee and the maintenance is a, maybe a little bit different. I think most of the trails get maintained by, like, packed down from the usage people do. So it's not like there's a tray crew out and works on them. So whatever you get that's there and people either pack it down by using it or it's it's not packed down.
2: The, 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 state, the state will actually plow some of the parking areas. Um, but they're not super well-maintained. They get plowed after people have already packed quite a bit of it down um, and they don't really sand it. So the parking lot that we were last time riding was one ice rink, basically. And then once we got on the trail, the trail was nice snow, but the parking lot was really um, a little bit tricky. We have some times when we can drive to trailheads really easily and then there are some days where we just have to decide to hunker down at home because either there's a snowstorm going on out there and we don't want to be on the road or because the roads have become just clear ice, then we don't go out there either or when we can't find any trails that are doable with the horses with studs on. We definitely have studs on the horses pretty much most of the winter right now. We have um, boots with studs that we are using for the horses.
0: What's it like in the spring, summer and fall? Are you able to ride right off your property?
1: We live kind in a suburban country setting so we can only go on the subdivision roads and then usually what people do the four-wheelers the dirt bikes and other trail users go alongside the road and there's like established not trails but but there's like people go alongside the roads with their stuff and we can ride there too but it's not ideal so we, we really try always to to load up and go and the I think what we have to be always thinking about is we want to use frozen lakes to go over to. So we have to watch the ice conditions and the snowpack there so that then we have more miles on trails we can use.
0: So when you take your horses out riding, what kind of time or distance are you covering on a day ride? If we can get a ten miler in, in the winter time, that's a great thing. So usually in the winter
2: time the subdivision rounds will be about three miles. And when we um, can trailer out, then we try to make it worth the trailering and really go hopefully at least five miles. Five to eight miles is what we probably mostly can cover. In the summertime, that's when we really go ahead and our shorter rides will be five to ten miles. And then we are trying to ride 15 miles or something like that. And then if we can, you know, if we we really go uh, for a longer trip or even maybe a two-day trip, we might go 15 to 20 miles in a day. So that's kind of what we're doing in the summertime. We really try to ride two to three times a week, um, trailer them out somewhere, and there are definitely more trails available in the summer um, because of the parking issue and because of the um, because of the ground being better. Um, but in the winter time, like Frank said, we have the lakes that we can additionally use. We have the swamps we can additionally use. So theoretically, we have more uh, area available to us in the winter time, but less trailheads. And it has to be just right with the ground conditions that we have the lakes and the swamps frozen and enough snow coverage on them so that the horses can walk over them properly. In the summertime, we can go through the wooded areas, over the fields, in areas um, where in the winter it's maybe too steep or too muddy, in the fall too muddy, in the winter too steep a lot of times because we have a lot of mountains around us as well. And uh, those trails are all basically
0: pretty much summer trails only. That sounds so beautiful and interesting. What's your favorite type of trail to ride?
1: the favorite trail ride is we have, uh, people would not believe, but we can do fantastic beach rides where you can go really miles and miles along beaches. Then we have beautiful mountain rides where you be in the mountains. And then we have a combination where you can ride to a glacier and... You basically just can go almost right to it. And there's just so a big a variation of landscape we have, what people often not think. But yeah, my favorite time is just spend outside with the horses and enjoy. No stress, have fun.
0: <laughs> Are there horse campgrounds throughout Alaska?
1: Not not really. So it's not like I think we don't even have what people call horse motels or governmental horse campgrounds. We definitely don't have because in most of Alaska is public land and you, you more or less is like more boondock style. Right. You, you go out and then you just camp there. You either put your panels up or high line and, and set camp and then you can go from there.
0: Would you say Alaska would be a good place for people to visit with their horses? Yeah,
1: I think it has definitely an array of unknown trails. And if you like to be more an adventurous type and don't mind that you be away from crowds and you don't be too afraid of the wildlife, then Alaska has definitely a lot of adventure for horse peoples and beautiful scenery.
0: What kind of wildlife do you encounter out on the trails?
1: We can see bears, wolves, moose. Moose is probably the biggest problem for trail users out there. Always people are afraid of bears and wolves and whatever, but... The moose, especially in the springtime when they have their young babies, then they are very protective and sometimes they don't want to give the trail, especially when you be on a hard packed snow trail with your horse and they would need to leave in the deep snow. They don't like it and then it comes to a kind of standoff and you don't want to be pushing it. So that means sometimes it cuts you down short on your trail adventure, just you turn around and give the moose the right away. Our horses, they're used to the moose, so they're not really afraid. And my youngster, he chased a moose out of the paddock, you know, and the moose bull said, oh, no, I don't want to deal with you.
2: We have heard people having bear encounters, and I think the bear encounters in the summertime – are definitely something to put in consideration if you want to do overnight camping with your horses and um, need to find a way how to set the horses up overnight. Then you have to a little bit more put into account how far in are you? Is this bear country or not? And uh, be more aware that bears could be an issue um, when you have your horses tied up. What kind of horses do you have?
1: We're riding Icelandic horses the last five years, and we love that breed. Trail hardy, and they have a lot of protection against cold weather, too. So they can pretty
0: much live year round outside, they don't need stabling. The Icelandic horse is a very small, compact breed of horse. Can you describe them a little bit more for someone who might not be familiar?
2: They're a little bit more like big dogs than little horses. Um, They are called the Icelandic horse, but they're actually size-wise falling a little bit in the pony category. They're large ponies. They grow a really, really thick and long winter coat. They look like little mammoths um, in the winter, which really protects them very, very well from the elements. We do have a three-sided shelter for them, which they sometimes use if it gets really stormy or if it's very cold rain. But otherwise, they're really out there. We have a wooded area for them. It's about two acres that we have fenced in for them, where they can wander around through the wooded area there and uh, have shelter already in the trees or come a little bit out in the open and enjoy the sun. And the shelter that we are having there is really hardly used at all. Icelandic horses are called spirited. Even though the Icelandics kind of are more like a draft horse type temperament, they are very spirited as well. And being spirited means that they have some oomph to go sometimes and really want to go sometimes and have their own mindset on the trail. But on the other hand, they are just really, really easy trail mounts where they don't spook easily because they really um, don't have any predators in Iceland. They, um, they are very reliable, very well-footed. They know where to, how to step on uneven terrain. They're like mountain goats in the mountains over there. They're just really, really well-suited for the trails out there. They're small. You can duck under trees easily. They can go around things easily. We're just, we just love them out on the trails. Yeah, I think uh, it's one of the best breeds that you can have for trail riding. We were very lucky when we got six years ago our first Icelandic horses with uh, getting two very seasoned mares. They were already 21 and 23 years old. So they were already very seasoned on the trails out there um, by the previous owner. And um, so we didn't really have to train them in any way in that respect. But then they both had babies and we raised those foals and these two colts. We did take them on the trail with us basically as soon as they could trailer with like Um, We trailered them. The first one, I think, we started trailering when he was three weeks old. And the second one, we already started trailering him when he was 10 days old. The trailering and taking them with us on the trails and ponying them, letting them free run with us, a good mixture of all of that, was really helping them in getting exposed to everything already that we find out there on the trails. Then after that, when we started riding them, we realized that, yes, now that we are riding them, all of a sudden the world looks a little bit different to them but it was much, much faster overcoming the unusual sounds or unusual um, sights that they found there on the trail that they had been exposed before already. Just now with a rider on top of them, it was still a little bit different, but it was just in no time were they actually there, where they're, oh, oh yeah, I remember that. And then they were good about it. So they really were much, much faster being becoming very reliable mounts, uh, not being spooky. And it's really, when they spook, it's so easy. My youngster, when he was four years old, we were starting to ride him. Then he got spooked, he just stopped still in his tracks and looked around him and said, what was that? And then he would look at it, say, oh, oh okay, that's it. Oh, there was nothing. And then he would walk on again. So he wouldn't run away. He would just stop and freeze where they maybe make one little jump. And then they're like, oh, what was that? And then they're going on again. That's the biggest spook that we have found in our Icelandic so far. There might be some other Icelandics that have some more traits of uh, like a flighty horse left into them than others. There's always a little bit of a variety. But overall, I really feel that the Icelandic horse is a quite safe breed to ride once they have been exposed to the different things um, on the trail out there. What kind of tack do you ride in?
1: We use English saddles, but some people use Western saddles. Claudia has an endurance saddle. The tech is, is, is a little bit of a problem for an Icelandic since it's short in the back.
2: And because there's so many Icelandics out in the world, they actually do make specific Icelandic tech as well. So they have specific bits and bridles and uh, settles for Icelandics. I have ridden my Icelandic with, an, with a Western saddle and I still have that for her. Found one that was smaller with a rounded skirt with a small skirt that fits her pretty well. Um, I have seen other people riding Icelandic with Western saddle, but it's not the common thing. The most common tack for the Icelandic is the either Icelandic tack, which is kind of like um, dressage, English dressage saddles, or an
0: endurance saddle. What else do you do with your horses besides trail riding? No,
1: I do mounted archery with them. That's my big passion on the Icelandic horse, and it's an exceptional great breed to do that because they have a very nice fast gallop and then they're very smooth. And so there's different courses. There's like one referred to straight track courses. And it's basically a gated off track. You run down and you shoot between one and three targets. And then you have cross-country tracks and probably a quarter mile long. There can be multiple targets out there. And there could be 3D animals, mixed in so it's more like a hunt cross-country course kind of deal.
0: Wow that sounds like such a fun and interesting way to use your horses.
1: Yeah and it prepares you actually to be a better rider because it enhances your balance but the main thing it does too is it's a big trust factor if you go fast and you let go of your reins and you trust your horse and you feel your horse just with your lower body and you be occupied with your arms and hands and your eyes and look and shoot targets. It's good fun to grow together with your horse.
2: And then as you get better and start traveling to other competitions, you might not always be able to take your own horse with you because you're flying to competitions that are thousands of miles away. And then you need to ride somebody else's horse and trust that horse. So there's definitely a lot of skill involved and uh, horseback riding skills involved in riding other people's horses um, as well as your own horse. Frank has been in Kazakhstan as well. um, And uh, every time he flies in the wintertime down to a lower 48 or in the summertime down to the lower 48 um, to compete in a competition, he mostly rides other horses Last winter was the only time for the first time that he could actually use his own horse in outside competitions because we were driving down with our whole um, outfit with the horses and the dogs to the lower 48 for the one whole winter. That's where he could compete on his own horse for one whole winter. Everything else he does out of state on a different horse.
0: Was it very complicated for you to get your horses out of Alaska through Canada and then all the way down to Arizona? It's probably not much more
2: complicated than needing to... But you need to provide states to state travel down there as well. So they check us at the border. They check all the paperwork very thoroughly. We have to have copies for them so that they can keep the copies. And then usually everything is fine. So we did not have any issues at the border so far.
1: Yeah, the part where you travel to Canada is about 2,000 miles. And on the 2,000-mile journey, you better have everything you need with you. So you should be self-contained at least, I would say, for a good five-day journey. Water is an issue too. Traveled with four horses and we said about seven gallons per day a horse. And with that, we, we managed. But yeah, every time you come to a gasoline station, fill up your water too.
0: How long did it take you to make the whole journey from home to your destination?
1: No, we traveled last year in total from home to home. It was 15,000 miles on, on the road. We went from Alaska, the furthest, all the way over to Texas, competed in Texas and came back through California and then up all the way back to Alaska. It was a long journey, but the funny thing was, We left at 50 degree weather here in Alaska, and it took us all the way down to Salt Lake, what's about three and a (laughs) half thousand miles, to get about the same weather. So the thing is, when you leave Alaska, you're chasing the good weather for a long time. You have to go almost by end of September, you have to leave here. And the thing is, to come back, we got chased by a snowstorm for a week out from Washington, and we just drove in front of it and pretty much like after five days, he, he, he caught us. But then we was just on the tail end of the storm and we got a little dusting with it. So the time to come back to be safe, it's, it's a hard thing to say. We got in end of March, we got back. We got really lucky. We had dry roads and then friends of ours, they came in April and May and we got into serious snowstorms. So you have to plan really your journey. If you come up, you probably want to be coming by June. And then if you want to see no snow on the way back home, you'll probably leave right in the beginning of September. You have to leave Alaska again. When it starts once freezing, then everything is even harder to travel with horses.
0: How did your horses handle the long trip?
1: All the horses had no problem with the, with the traveling, but we hydrated them. We soaked the hay. We changed the trailer when we came back and we had mangers. And we really loved the mangers because we could have water and feed all the time. Just nice provided mangers versus hanging sacks in your trailer. A big nicer change to travel. The horses, we was actually surprised since we came from cold country. We moseyed our way through to Arizona and hit the warms pretty hard there. And they were still in the 80s. We had to shave them down to make that transition happening. But it took the desert very well. And then even on competition level. So we competed in Arizona in the archery. Did well there. Then we did the, the hop from the desert into moist, damp Texas and competed there again too. And we won the competition with a 26 year old horse. So it was very amazing how they can deal in a short notice with no grass, then lush grass and, and wet and moist. So it was like, yeah, everything got thrown on these horses in, in, in the, on this trip.
0: Wow, that's wonderful. It really shows how hardy your horses actually are and your diligent care kept them healthy and safe during all this travel and competition and weather changes and feed changes. That's commendable. So if someone is interested in learning more about Alaska and perhaps coming to visit, would it be okay if they contacted you and how would they do that?
1: They can contact us through Facebook, my name, or give us a call, you know, and we can definitely help them, give them ideas which areas are better to go. And so my phone number is 907 841 7468.
2: We do have a community here of uh, different horse uh, fanciers. We have for sure all the horse show stuff here happening as well. For trail riding, we have um, a community that practices for CTRs, for competitive trail rides, and we do have actually competitive trail rides happening up here in Alaska. Usually we have one per year, and that one is alternating happening either here in our area where we are, South Central Alaska, or it's happening up in Fairbanks in the other year. Um, We have uh, a community of endurance riders here too, but we don't have any competitions for endurance riders right now here. We have the mounted archery competition happening um, in, um, in the summer that Frank is putting on once a year, usually we have a community here for the Backcountry Horsemen um, that is quite active and is putting rides together, you know, leisurely trail rides, overnight rides, packing trips, um, so they can definitely get in touch with the Backcountry Horsemen of Alaska as well, where we have two chapters, we have one chapter down on the Kenai Peninsula, and we have one chapter up here
0: that's called the Matsu Backcountry Horsemen Frank and Claudia, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you today and learn more about your trails in Alaska. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you for having us. Just- yeah. Doesn't riding in Alaska sound like a fun adventure? I don't know when I'll make it up there, but it's definitely on my list. If you're considering taking a trip with your horse, make sure you consult the interactive map I've created from years of researching places to camp with my horses. You'll find it at rideclimb.com map. Well, that's everything for today. Thanks so much for listening, and Happy Trails. The Happy Trails podcast was created and produced by me, Jessica Isbrecht. The show's music was written and performed by Jason Shaw.